Good morning. It's good to be back with you here, Redeemer. As for PhD updates, my wife's been asking me the same thing. But, uh, as soon as she knows, I'll let you know. I understand Paul had been preaching a series and recently finished a series through First um, Thessalonians and moving into something else uh, starting next week. So he said, it's a free Sunday, just whatever you want. And so I think about something that's on my own heart and mind lately. And then also thinking of the time of year. And today is Reformation Sunday. Uh, this October 31st this week is Reformation Day. Flies under the radar for a lot of people in our society. I understand it is still a public holiday in Germany, and so it's uh, a big deal in some places still. And um, think of the heart of the Reformation. Still, when we truly understand it, I believe is a big deal for us too. And so, wanting to think about a few of these things, and uh, I've been thinking a lot in my own life uh, in, in about rest. And the need for, for rest, rest for our bodies, rest for our souls. And that got me thinking a lot about Sabbath. And so I'm thinking about these things, rest and Sabbath and Reformation Sunday. And these things uh, all come together in ways that I want us to see here this morning. I, I grew up in the olden days. In 1991, I was in grade nine, I got a job at local grocery store. And the, the boss asked me, as he was offering me the job, he said, do you, do you need to ask your mom and dad first if you can take the job? Because the, my shift was on Sundays. That's what they needed someone uh, for, to work the Sunday shift. And back then, the Sunday shift at this store was the day the truck came in and we loaded it and filled the shelves because the store was closed. Because grocery stores couldn't be open on Sundays. Uh, and a lot of other stores, they just weren't allowed to be open on Sundays. That changed not too long after I started working there, but even in my time, the world was very different. Now, I started university in 1997, and when I started, it was, it was the first time I'd ever used email. And regular daily internet use was just starting to be a thing at that point. That's not that long ago, 25 years ago. It's a very different world that we live in now. And I grew up playing competitive sports. So that usually meant you played two, maybe three times a week for a three, four month season. And now the kids go six days a week, 10, 11 months a year in some cases. And so the, just the, the, the pace the frenetic pace, the non-stop nature of the world around us, even since I was younger, has really changed. I know there are people in here who could one-up me with, with the realities of what life was like when, when they were a kid, and certainly you could. And I mean, the reality is life has always been busy. It was busy back then. We had our distractions. We had television. We had shopping channels. Um, but the pace of life, Certainly in our modern world, it's fast-paced and non-stop in a way it wasn't before. And there's this incessant drive towards productivity 
and getting things done and gathering and consuming. And, and now all the stores can be open on Sunday. They're still not all open. A lot closed, but a lot are open. And who even cares if the store's open? You can get online 24-7 and shop and do that retail therapy. Yeah, you don't have to wait for the stores to open or worry if they're closed. And all this leads us to get weary, exhausted from the work or just from the incessant going, feeling the need to produce and to gather. We need rest. We need rest for our bodies. We need rest for our souls. So we're on Reformation Sunday here today, and this is a day when we celebrate these great truths that were recaptured, that had been lost largely in the life of the church, that our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And we know this authoritatively through Scripture alone. This salvation that God has, has worked for us and given to us as a free gift. And it, it calls us into a life of, of rest, of freedom, where we can cease striving and trying to get right with God and simply receive from God this gift of life that he's given us through what he has done in Jesus. That's what we celebrate uh, every Sunday, but in a focused way here on Reformation Sunday. Now, connecting these two, see, I'm increasingly convinced that these ideas need to be more than ideas. We don't just rest in an idea. It doesn't, on its own, set you free, this salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. But there are certain rhythms of grace that God gives us and calls us to step into. There are certain disciplines that help us participate in God's grace. We come to this Lord's table every Sunday to tangibly receive the gift of assurance and pardon. As sure as we repent of our sins and eat and drink this bread and this cup, we can know we are forgiven. In Sabbath, weekly practice of and participation in the Sabbath is one of these rhythms that helps us live into God's free grace. It's not a work that earns anything for us, but an opportunity to live into God's gracious salvation. That's what I want us to see together this morning. Um, there's no more foundational discipline when it comes to rest than weekly Sabbath. And we can go so far as to say, without a weekly, regular practice of Sabbath rest in your life, there will be no deep rest for your soul in this life. And to put that positively, if you regularly practice Sabbath, you will find deep and true rest for your body and for your soul in this life. Not perfect and complete rest, not yet. That is yet to come. But true and deep rest you will find through God's gift of Sabbath. I've believed this for a long time. And at certain points in my life, I've practiced it. 
And other times, though I believe it, I slip out of the practice for various reasons. You may be here today, and you may believe it and practice on a very regular basis, Sabbath. Or you may be like me, you're going to agree with everything I say, and yet if you look at your life, you're not really doing it on any consistent basis for various reasons. Maybe you don't know much about it, and I hope you can learn this morning, about, and not just learn, but receive this gift. Maybe you're just not convinced at all. And so wherever you're at, I just want to consider together what God's word has to say about this gift of Sabbath so that we can enter into it and experience the freedom that he offers our bodies and our souls. What I want to do is do a sweeping overview of Sabbath in Scripture and then think through a few points of practical application for living it out in our lives. I'm going to look at a number of Bible texts, but as uh, sort of our main text, I'll put two together that bookend our survey of the Sabbath, and I'll read these right at the outset. First from Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And in Hebrews chapter 4, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. So, as you can see in that passage from Genesis, Sabbath goes all the way back to creation. This is an ancient spiritual discipline. The creation narrative says that God rested. And that is the verbal form of the noun Sabbath. And so inherent in the very word Sabbath is the idea, the reality of rest. God rested from his works. What does it mean to say God rested? God took a day off. The short answer is nobody really knows. God is infinite. God is not material. God does not get tired. He who guards Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So it's not as though God like, was actually exhausted from six days of creating the world and needed a day off. Whatever it means, the meaning we can draw from it is that from the very beginning, God has woven into the fabric of creation a pattern of one in seven days rest. That's what God wanted his people to take away from this statement that he rested on the seventh day. Because this is what we see when we come to see the Sabbath in the law. The Sabbath became enshrined in many ways in the law of Moses, this code that was given to Israel for their life and their worship. And though it's worked out in a bunch of particular ways, the foundational Sabbath law is given in the Ten Commandments. So this is not just 
like one of the 613 commandments, number 255 or something, it makes the, the top ten. It's one of the big ones, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. You know your son or daughter, male servant, female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. In the Exodus telling of the fourth commandment, it is then rooted in creation. Just as God worked six days and rested on the Sabbath, so should you. In the Deuteronomy telling of the fourth commandment, it is rooted in God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. You shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So Sabbath is rooted in the reality that God is creator and that God is redeemer. And as the Deuteronomy text there shows, Sabbath is a picture, a reminder of the way that God has acted to save his people. Because Israel was in bondage in Egypt, And they had no rest. And they didn't deliver themselves out of Egypt. They didn't work their way out of Egypt. God came and rescued them and took them out of Egypt by his power. He set them free from bondage. He brought them to a place of rest. And he said, therefore, remember this one day in seven to rest on it. And remember that I am the God who saved you. Now, the Sabbath in the Old Testament primarily has to do with ceasing from work. God says, stop working on the Sabbath. It was not an optional play day. It was the day to cease from work. And truth be told, there were pretty strict penalties for breaking the Sabbath. And that's putting it lightly. This was serious. It was a day of celebration and rest and enjoyment, worship, but it was a day of solemn rest, holy rest. Now over time, a number of rather stringent rules got attached to the Sabbath. And in the the religious leaders, in their writings, they talked about, what is this, what can we do, and what can't we do on the Sabbath? And there's a whole elaborate series of details and little rules and regulations outside of scripture for how Sabbath was to be observed. Things like this, like you couldn't walk further than a thousand cubits on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to. I don't know how they tracked that. I don't know how anybody knew how many steps they took in a day before we could check on our phone and it told you. But however they checked, you, thousand cubits, bad thing. Up to that, no problem. You couldn't drop water on the Sabbath. You couldn't wear perfume. If uh, your animal was giving birth, you couldn't help it. Couldn't help it out of a pit. Men and women weren't supposed to get too close on the Sabbath. Couldn't start a fire. You weren't supposed to ride in a boat. I was in London in 2012 uh, for the 
much of my brother compete in the Paralympic Games, and I had a chance to visit a few historic churches that were of interest to me. And one Sunday I visited a particular church, and the preacher there was talking about years prior when he had visited the United States as a guest preacher. And after the service, he was hosted by a family for lunch, and then they said to him, we have an afternoon plan to take you out sailing on the lake. And he said to us, gathered in his London church that morning, looking back on this year, years later, he said, can you imagine anything so profane? <laughs> Sailing on the Lord's Day. And I sat there thinking, oh, that sounds kind of nice to me. You know, the lake and creation. So some people still don't like this idea that you could ride in a boat on the Sabbath or on the Lord's Day. As you would say now. So there are all these stringent rules. And this helps us understand how when Jesus came, he got in trouble for the kinds of things that he did on the Sabbath and that his disciples did on the Sabbath. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. He made people whole, and they accused him of profaning and blaspheming because he was apparently working on the Sabbath. And Jesus came and he redeemed the Sabbath for us. He announced that he himself is the Lord of the Sabbath. So he didn't seem to want to do away with it. He fulfills the law, but he doesn't get rid of it. He announces himself Lord of the Sabbath and redeems it by reminding us this very important truth that we as people, we weren't created for the Sabbath, to serve the Sabbath. It's not supposed to be a master that weighs us down. The Sabbath was created for us according to Jesus. It's a gift that God has given us for our good. Anytime that we receive any of the gifts of God and they feel like a burden, we're receiving them wrong. Jesus came and he said he, he came to give a light yoke. Not an easy life, but an easy yoke, meaning that God's Ordinances, God's instruction, God's way is never meant to be a burden for us. Even if it is a discipline, it is always for our good. So with Sabbath. When we turn to the rest of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul speaks of Sabbath in a few places or directly and lays out a principle that we need to take to our Sabbath observance. Because it's really important to say, as, a, as important as the Sabbath may be, we do not live under the law of Moses. We live under grace. And so we need to think about Sabbath in terms of uh, what it means to receive it in light of the gospel. And Paul has a few important things to say about this. In Romans 14, he says, that, he says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or fall. One person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. There's this, this liberty, this freedom in how we observe time. It's to be consistent with the gospel, but it doesn't necessarily look the same for each and every one of us, and we shouldn't stand in judgment over one another and say, yeah, but it's supposed to be done exactly this way. 
there's apparently a gospel liberty. And similarly in Colossians 2, he says, let, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So even if, as I'm implying, obviously, there's an enduring value, not just value, but, but need to observe Sabbath, we need to see it for what it is, a, a shadow pointing to the reality that we have in Christ. So there's certain things that we receive that were from the Old Testament law that we don't receive them as law. We need to receive them in light of the gospel and with liberty. That doesn't mean we don't practice them anymore. So an analogy would be with tithing. Now, Rick, you count the money, you close your ears, you can get mad at me for a second here. But uh, we, Christians don't live under a law of tithing that we're required to give 10% of our income to God as a law. Now, what the New Testament is clear on, because this is another one of those principles woven into the fabric of creation, that is that we are to give of our first fruits, to give regularly as you are able, so according to your means, and cheerfully and sacrificially. So the, the spirit that underlay the law of tithing is absolutely still in effect, first fruits giving. Similarly with Sabbath, even if we don't live under a strict law of Sabbath, the principle is still there. But how exactly how we appropriate it, we must grant each other liberty and not judge each other. A last New Testament verse we come to, and we already read it, is the one in Hebrews chapter 4, where the author of Hebrews is talking about Sabbath, not about the day of the week, but describing the era of salvation we live in and live into as Sabbath rest. And the connection is that just as on a physical Sabbath you refrain from physical work and entering and experience rest, so when it comes to salvation, we enter in one way. We have to cease from our works. God does not hate good works. Goodness is good. But when those good works we think are a basis of being right with God, when we bring those forward as merit and say, therefore, God should accept me based on what I've done, we don't understand the gospel and that our, our sin taints even our, our good works and that our sin needs to be forgiven. The way we enter into right relationship with God and get justified is not by striving and earning and trying to not do too much bad or do the right things. It's by ceasing, laying those, setting those works aside, looking to what God has done through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And God said, I've done it all. I've made the way. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Enter in and receive it as a gift. And that's why salvation is described as a Sabbath. Now we can make a connection then between this weekly practice of laying our work aside and the salvation Sabbath and say that as we practice this weekly discipline, it can remind us 
not just remind us, but enable us to live into the deeper salvation reality that we are saved by grace. We cease from our works and embrace what God has done to save us. So then, a summary of this very brief overview. We can see salvation, or sorry, Sabbath and gospel perspective that Sabbath is woven into the fabric of creation, so it's a principle of life. Maybe you can even call it a small L law, not a big L law, but just a principle of life that's the way things are. We need Sabbath. It's a day of rest, but a day of holy rest. It's a matter of grace and not law. It's to be liberty, not legalism, and how we live it out. And it is a symbol of salvation. Some people, some Christians, are very strict Sabbatarians. They receive it basically like it's still a law. You have to do it. People on the other end, they say, no, the law has been fulfilled in Christ. It was just a shadow pointing things to come. Now, between these extremes, I think most Christians probably find themselves in the middle, agreeing that there's a Sabbath principle we should live out. Then the question becomes, okay, so practically speaking, how are we going to do this? I have two versions of this part of the sermon. There's a 20-minute version and like a two- or (laughs) three-minute version. I don't think I have time for the first one. Um, I'll run through this pretty quick. Famous last words. But I I do want to think practically speaking, because like I said at the beginning, I believe all this stuff, but... Do I always live it? And maybe you're like me. I imagine some are where you you know this stuff. You don't really disagree with anything. But if you look at your life right now, are you actually doing this? Like regularly setting aside the day. Three steps to practically implementing this. First of all, you need to set the time aside. So identify a 24-hour period, consecutive period, at some point in your week where you could Sabbath. That could be morning to night, or it could be sundown to sundown. It could be from like noon one day to noon the next day, whatever works in your life. For many people, the best day is going to be Sunday, what we traditionally call the Lord's Day. And it's, you're going to find that a day when most other people have the day off. It can be easier to also take the day off. It can be harder on a day when everybody else is producing and gathering to take that day off. But that, that might work for you. And some people's jobs don't allow them to take Sunday as a Sabbath. We have to be grateful for some people who have to work Sunday. Uh, that helps the rest of us, healthcare and other professions. So whatever it is, set a day aside, set the time aside in a way that works for you. Maybe you're scanning your mind right now and saying, I just can't imagine how I can find a, a consecutive 24-hour period on, in which to do this each week. And I would say that, with, with grace, I don't want to lay a burden on you, but that illustrates the problem. And I want to encourage you to ask God to help you and to, to patiently work this out, to find a time, to, to find a, a time that works for you, believing that God wants you to do this and God's going to help you to find that time. But if in the end you're like, I just, I, I just can't do it. It doesn't work in my life. 
I want you to take that to God and try saying that and, and imagine what God's saying back to you. Somehow, some way, patiently but deliberately, you need to figure something out. Set the time aside. Second, set your work aside. This includes vocational work. And a lot of people, their job, they work Monday to Friday, and your vocational work you set aside on the weekends anyway. Other people, like you're a student or a business owner or something else, and in theory your work goes on, it never stops, and so you have to create boundaries. So you have to think about that, how to set your vocational work aside, and also to set other kinds of work aside. So that it's not a day to say, well, I'm glad I don't have to do my job today so I can get a whole bunch of other stuff done and errands and personal projects and whatnot. And, and often I talk to people, sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, you know, I don't work on the Sabbath, but it, it's a great day to, to do other things or to get a bunch of shopping done. And they say, and I say, but is that Sabbath rest? They say, but, but I enjoy doing that. And then the question is, is that really what Sabbath is about? Just doing things you enjoy, even if they're still work. Remember, I believe this is a day when God's calling us to step back from productivity and fruitfulness and gathering and consuming. Set aside other distractions. And not just to cease, but find restful things to do, to worship with God's people, go for a hike, take a nap, visit friends or family, cook a, a nice meal. You've got to eat. Someone's got to still prepare food. And maybe that's something you enjoy to have a nice meal. Or maybe you want to keep things real simple. You could even go in a boat <laughs> on Sunday. I give you a special dispensation. Now, the third of these practical things we need to do is a real deal difference maker. I don't call it deal breaker, but it's more of a difference maker. And that is, when you set the time aside and set the work aside, you're going to set your mind to Sabbath mode. Because you could take the day off and stop working and still not be truly resting because your mind is still racing with all the things you could be doing or should be doing or need to be doing. Do you ever have that feeling where you're trying to rest and you just feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I'm supposed to be doing something. Are there 13 things I want to go on Amazon right now and buy? And I want to give you two words to take into your Sabbath to help you be in Sabbath mode. And those are the words, not today. You just could put a pin in those things. If you're like me, I need a little tool. I carry a little yellow slip of paper around in my pocket. And I just jot those little things down, put it back in my pocket. I can come back to that later. That helps me externalize and forget about it. Because I tell myself, not today. There's a time to do that. Not today. And what you'll find, I guarantee, initially you might say, Something comes to mind. I need to be somewhere. I need to do something. I need to buy something. And you say, I'm not supposed to do that today. I probably shouldn't do that today. Then quickly you start thinking, I don't have to do that today. I get to not do that today. 
it becomes very freeing to step out of the need to always be getting things done and gathering. And God wants us to experience this freedom on a regular basis. God wants us to receive Sabbath for what it is, a gift. A day each week where you can get much needed rest for your body and your mind. Rest from work and commerce. A day when you can deepen your trust in God because it takes trust. It takes faith to be able to say, Lord, if I stop today, The world will keep turning and my life will turn out exactly as you want it to. And it's so freeing to embrace my finitude and God's infinity to say, you are God and I am not. He's going to make everything of your life in those other six days that your life needs to be. And there's a great freedom in that. So Sabbath is going to deepen your trust in God, knowing your life in his hands. And weekly Sabbath is an opportunity and a gift to remind me, to remind me, to remind us that we are saved by God's grace, not by our striving, not by our works. And just as we set aside our physical work to rest on this day, let it be a reminder for us that we step into and live in God's salvation, ceasing from our works, receiving what he has done by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone we find rest for our souls. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath. We pray you would make us wise and help us to live it out. Help us to experience freedom the renewing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us on it, Lord, to rest in Jesus and to enjoy you. We pray and ask us in Christ's name. Amen.